Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. And as this is together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg, Martha, tell us about the cruise. Well, um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great time in February of this next year, just a few months away, actually, where we will be um, going out of Tampa to Cozumel and for four nights and five days be with um, 19 other couples because we'll be 20, right? That's right. And um, be able to invest in marriages, talk to each other, learn from each other, and get some good, much-needed quiet time away from electronics and phones and all of those things children. that distract us. Children. Yeah. No children. Well, no grandchildren. Everybody will miss the kids, but it's it's so important for a marriage to get that uninterrupted time, and it's a place that you can look forward to that. It is, absolutely. So we'd love for you to join us on the I Work For Him Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat. So go out to the cruise, go out to iWorkForHim.com and click on the Cruise tab, and you can find out all the details and talk to Rick Saltarelli from Salty Breeze Cruise Planners uh, about the cruise. But it, we try to keep it as reasonable as possible, and we give you an all-inclusive price. Just talk to Rick uh, and he'll get you all the details. Hey, why are we here on I Work For Him? What are we doing on together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg and I Work For Him? You know, it is, we dedicate Tuesdays to talking about marriage and relationships. And why do we do that? We do that because, well, what is life without relationships? And now not everybody out there listening is married. So you're like, well, I've been married once and I don't know if I'm going to get married again. Or I'm married right now. And that's great. Or I want to get married. 
but this almost everything we talk about on Tuesdays also relates into your relationships in the workplace, doesn't it? It does, because um, in order to have almost any successful business, you need to be able to relate with whether it's customers, vendors, coworkers, employees, whatever the case might be. So we feel very strongly that the things that you learn in one relationship can help you to um, better get along with people in another relationship. So we have chosen for the next six weeks, uh, we are highlighting one of our absolute favorite marriage mentoring books. It's a book written by Emerson Egerich, and it is called Love and Respect. Now, you can get this book at one of your local uh, Christian book resellers. You can get it on Amazon. You can go out to loveandrespect.com and get this book. We didn't write this book. We didn't come up with this idea. Actually, it's a scriptural idea from Ephesians 5.23. Uh, when Paul's writing to the, the church in Ephesus, he says, So again, I say, that whole chapter 5 from like verse 25 on is all about marriage. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Paul, who was a single guy, understood those key principles to a marriage. And that's what this whole series is about. And again, not our original idea. You want to know more about Love and Respect? Great organization. Go out to loveandrespect.com. Yeah, we're very excited, though, to be able to share just some of the highlights from it, things that we have learned. Um, We often joke, you know, and we're serious about it, though, is that we wish that we'd have had this a lot earlier in our relationship and our marriage. Um, It just makes sense and be able to implement a true biblical principle in a way that um, really can help you to have a stronger relationship and be communicating in a way that really is way more God-honoring than the you know, trial and error. <laughs> and we're working on getting Emerson Egerich on the show to share really from his heart on, on how God led him to write this book. He, read, he wrote this book a long time ago, but again, these principles in this book are timeless. We first heard about this book, I believe it was 2008. And as we're sitting there, we'd only, we've been married just about 21 years, I think at the time, or 22 years. I can't remember. No, we we'd, it was the fall, so Within. it would have been 22 years. Yeah. yeah. And as we learned about this concept that really... Without love, she responds without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. That whole love and respect, the, the, the core, that it feeds our very core. As men, we need to feel respected, especially in times of, of strife or stress. And a woman needs to feel loved, especially in a time of strife and stress. Those are our primary needs, but they're different. God in his infinite wisdom created us very different. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about pink and blue and how it leads to the crazy cycle. Yeah, and I think so many of us have, you know, grown up all of our lives knowing that pink is for girls and blue is for boys. And Emerson very, just... Very sexist. I, <laughs> that's I okay, know. because that's what it is. It's but it is, because I can't created, wear a pink shirt, though. I just, you I can. No, I can't do it. <laughs> that's your choice. But a lot of people look good in pink. I feel like a Ken but doll. The, but, the, but the point is that um, being able to take these concepts and apply them in our relationship at home and then also in the workplace helps us to really be able to um, respond well to each other and keep things from getting into this crazy cycle that it talks about. Yeah, and I think you alluded to it a little bit last week that, you know, so many times growing up or when you're in church, you hear all about um, women have to submit to their husband, but they never heard the rest of the story. Yeah, no, it was and terrible. This verse, it's all in one verse too, which I think that's the neat thing because so many times, um, you know, when people try to fit a square peg in a round hole, it's because they've 
pieced things together. But it can't get any clearer than Ephesians 5.33, where I'm going to read it again. Okay. It says, so again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And that's really the basis, but it's all there in one place where it says this is the way to have relationships. So the word for love in that verse of Scripture is agape. Mm-hmm. Why isn't the wife called and commanded to agape love her husband? I love this because um, God created women naturally to love. Um, we nurture, we um, tend to just take, you know, all different forms of love on the things in this world. And uh, um, Emerson says in the book, God is not into redundancy. So he did not <laughs> He did I not need that. to tell women to love because we love naturally. So that was not a necessary part of this command because we usually get guidance from God in the areas that we may butt up against, the ones that we struggle with, the ones that don't come naturally because of our sin nature. You know, and, and, and it's it's so true that God doesn't get into, isn't into, why, oh my word, my lips are like rented today. <laughs> it's because you He's had not, a long weekend. I did have too long of a weekend. I'm not sure we relax enough. No, I know for a fact we didn't relax enough. God isn't into redundancy because he made men and women so differently. And I love that. You know, let's just talk about, you know, Martha and I are not, we don't have any books that we've written ourselves, but we do, there's a lot of great information out there on marriage, none of which we've written, but a lot of which we've read, a lot of it we've read, and a lot of it we've taught people on. And it's because right now, there are many of you maybe have never heard of this book before, Love and Respect. And it's something that this book, when when we read it, our marriage has never been the same mm-hmm. in a good way since mm-hmm. we read this book. And we want everybody to hear about it. And so we're we're working with Love and Respect just to get out a couple of copies to, to people each and every week as we do the show. Today, we just have one copy to give away. But if you want to get a copy and understand how God designed husbands and wives differently and how he expects us to deal with those differences in order to, we're going to talk about today the crazy cycle. And then in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about the energizing cycle and the rewarded cycle and how God designed us to for husbands to love their wives and for wives to respect their husbands. It's what he designed it. It's what was a perfect design in God. And you just need to read this book. It is absolutely one of our top giveaways when we are mentoring a couple, that they go through this book, Love and Respect. So why do husbands and wives have such a hard time understanding each other? I love this. And Emerson does this so well, and we've heard him say it in in person. We've heard him on on his videos. And and a lot of these videos, you can get access to getting all this curriculum online at loveandrespect.com. He describes this one line. If a man says to his, well, let's just say, if a woman says to her husband, I don't have anything to wear. What does it mean, Martha? If a woman says that, it definitely means that she doesn't have anything new to wear. Or anything that she wants to wear. Correct. Okay. All right. But when a guy says, I don't have anything to wear, it means I really don't have anything to wear. My my underwear needs to be turned inside out so it's fresh. (laughs) It means nobody's done the laundry. It means nobody's. (laughs) Okay. So just that one line, it's the same words. I don't have anything to wear. But when a man says it, he means one thing. And a woman says it, she means a very different thing. Mm-hmm. And, and God created us different on purpose. And, and as Emerson describes in the book, that, that women here through pink 
hearing aids and guys hear through blue hearing aids. And so we filter it based on our own filter. We've got a blue filter. Men have a blue filter. Women have a pink filter. And when they hear things, they filter it through those. We see things differently because we have pink sunglasses or blue sunglasses. We hear things differently because we've got different kind of hearing aids. We, 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 when we speak things, we mean different things because God created us very, very differently, and which is why it's so important that we say, hey, you know, when you said that, it didn't feel very respectful. And you would say. And I would say when I, you said that, it didn't feel very loving. And that's the beginning of the conversation to, to be able to decipher what is it that you were really trying to say. And we have that conversation a lot in our home because we don't intentionally um, say things to hurt each other for the most part. I mean, sometimes you have a bad day and you just lash out or I lash out and that's not right. But what we're talking about here is when we just say things and they're interpreted incorrectly. And I didn't mean to be disrespectful by questioning something that you did, but that's how you take it because through your little blue hearing aids, you heard disrespect. And and if we don't talk about it, then you just start to build up this feeling that I'm disrespecting you and that can really hurt a relationship. You know, we had this issue a lot in the past before we got to this book where you would question me in public about something. And I'm, you know, I'm like a Cliff Clavin. I try to be, you know, a a <laughs> book of, if you don't know who Cliff Clavin is, look it up on Google. No. Just ask the Google. Well, he's the mailman who knew everything. That's and, right. Uh, cheers. So, Ace, you know who, uh, do you know who Cliff Clavin is? Ace doesn't know who Cliff Clavin is. He's a young guy. Okay. So, okay, you got to be <laughs> over like 40 to know who Cliff Clavin is probably. Okay. But when, when, if you'd question me, I'd feel disrespected, even though there's no disrespectful bone in your body. It, but it came across that way. Just the same thing where I may criticize you, but I don't know. Give an example of how I've come across. Yes, it's from a show. Cheers, Ace. Yes, cheers. <laughs> it was on the air for like, you know, 80 years. Okay. All right. So, Martha, what, what what are some of the things that I've said that you felt that they were came across unloving, but I didn't mean them that way? Um, I think probably, hmm, when you don't... When you're being careless or you're just not paying attention to the situation, it can feel unloving because you didn't care enough to pay attention to that detail. And you're a pretty detailed guy, but there are times where it's just not important. And so you may have tuned it out. And then I don't feel like you love me because you you don't care about whatever it was I told you. Uh oh, he got quiet. <laughs> that was going to be funny. Were you saying something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and so that's just an example in our own marriage. Even this weekend, I was doing the dishes, and I don't know where it came up with, and, and all of a sudden we started arguing about just absolutely something stupid, and it was because I was just tired. Sometimes arguments just happen out of stupidity because our filters are tired, and, and our filter that says, "Hey, um, you have a loving spouse who is good willed, but your filter's tired, and <laughs> you didn't hear that part." If you're a husband and wife and you're listening to the show today and uh, you uh, you are a Christ-following couple, you know, that's the good news. You're redeemed and God's restoring you piece by piece each and every day. And you know, marriage isn't perfect, but we can work on it and we all are restorable uh, in Christ. And, and that's that's the good news. He he, he just promises that we're, it's going to get better and better if we just work on it. And that's really the key to any marriage relationship. It's really the key to any relationship. Newsflash. We should have news, news sounder. Guess what? Relationships take work.
They do. Was that the teletype? Relationships take work. That's right. And that's what we're talking about today, love and respect. And really, we're talking about the crazy cycle today. A little bit about, hey, what is it? how do you lead to the crazy cycle? Well, first, it, it, you have to identify the differences between men and women. And, and really, when you look at what feeds the insides, the very insides of a woman, it's love. It's like oxygen to her. And when you respond in an unloving manner towards your wife, it's like stepping on her air hose. That's right. Um, Emerson uses that example throughout the book. And we often, that's another one of those things we end up talking about at home. It, hey, you just stepped on my air hose because that's like cutting off the oxygen and saying, man, you're you're just making it so I can't even breathe be, and be who I'm supposed to be. And we don't want to do that. I mean, in any relationship, but especially with your spouse, you don't want to be cutting off their oxygen. That is not, again, our intent. And the other thing that he really points out throughout the book is that we are married to good-willed people, that our intentions when we... Well, have... most of you are. <laughs> I think Well, there's that. times during the day I don't know that I'm good-willed. Uh, well, of course. Because, and, you know, when Mostly you, late at you night. You were talking about relationships not being perfect, and that's because there's two human sinners involved in the relationship. So, of course, it's not ever going to be perfect, but it, it can be God-honoring, and it can be strong and it can grow stronger with the strength of our Jesus, of Jesus Christ, our Lord, but then also through tools like what we've learned from love and respect. All right. But so let's take it the other way because, you know, we talked about a woman needs love. It's like oxygen to her, but a man, he thrives on respect. And that's something that people really, they don't necessarily understand that. Certainly in our society today, the culture has moved away from respect. Certainly this uh, these attacks on authority figures uh, in our culture today, we've really lost what does respect look like. And, and But it is what a man is built to thrive on. You know, we, you know, keep in mind, we can't live, like a woman can't live without love, but a man can't live without respect. If he is in a disrespectful environment, it is like sucking out his oxygen. It's like removing the hose of oxygen. It's stepping on his air hose. So um, to put you on the spot and yes, ask you a question, love. so what kinds of things make you feel disrespected or that you're not getting respect? You know, we've talked about, you know, where you will correct me and where I'm actually right, but there are many times where I'm wrong, but where I just tend to be retentive and maintain a lot of unnecessary facts in my head, and I will pull those out, and then people will question me. They're like, why would you do that? I'm right. I know I'm right. Now, there are many times I realize I am not right. I'm not, don't say, I'm not right all the time. There are just certain things I know. Like somebody asked me a question about a car. I'm like, I know. I know that the 1984 Olds Cutlass Sierra with the 2.8 liter had an oiling problem <laughs> because the oiling lines were not lined up and they'd only get 100,000 miles on the engine where if you had the 2.5 liter Tech 4, you could still be driving that car today. I mean, ridiculous facts like that are yes. in my head. And yes. people will correct me. They're like, what are you bothering for? I know the truth. And that just feels disrespectful. Yes, folks, this is what I live with. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But but I think really in, in, in real life, it is... Um, yeah, it's it's not very often, and it's and like I said, it's most of the time I can filter it and go, well, she didn't mean that disrespectful. It just I received it disrespectful in my heart, and it's not like I said that felt disrespectful. I'm like something twisted inside of me and said, wow, that was hurtful. But because guys really are incapable of showing, not all guys, 
Not all the time. Most guys have been programmed to never shed a tear. And so instead of shedding tears, when we get our feelings hurt, we get angry. Mm -hmm. And when we get angry, we tend to respond in a loving fashion. Right. No, (laughs) in an unloving fashion. When you're angry, you don't usually send roses and say, you know, I love you. Not until after when you're apologizing. Right, after when you're apologizing. That's right. So... You know, a guy needs respect. It's just how God built us. And it's part of the fact that, you know, as husbands, we're provider protectors. And we have to be able to put aside emotion in times of intense combat and in times of intense protection mode, survivor mode, where some people are crippled by emotion. We have the ability to set aside emotions for a period of time and then collapse later. Mm-hmm. That's just the way God built us. You know, I just thought of a, um, we've talked before how one of my goals in life is to never be that nagging wife. Um, that there is... you go again, bringing it up. What? No, I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. No, but I, I'm very fearful of, I don't want to ever come across as nagging. And the, in scripture, it talks about it's better for a man to live on the corner of his roof than to live with a nagging wife or something like that. But, you know, going back to this and a lot of times men feel disrespected when they're being criticized and criticism can go to the extent of nagging. And so maybe there that's the correlation and I never thought of it before. But yet sometimes when I remind you of something, you see it as unloving because I'm saying, well, did you do oh. this? And I'm just saying, I'm just asking you a question and you'll, you'll think it's unloving because I asked you a question. So you you're saying like the nagging that way. I was just talking about a wife in that scripture about. I was just talking name. about a husband. Yes. Because sometimes I just want to so know. But and, we don't ever want to nag. No. But being but it, able to but, have good. But easy. what's the difference between nagging and asking a question on a every once in a while basis? Hmm. That's a good question. When does it become nagging? Yes, <laughs> probably, I need to know that. Probably when I fail to follow through and then I see my failure and then I don't want to hear about it anymore. <laughs> and maybe you've heard about this concept and maybe you've got a story of, of the success of love and respect in your marriage or you want to call in and get a copy of this book, call into the studio line at 877-943-9673. I think it's important. Why do we see more and more Christian marriages ending in divorce? Well, I, I will tell you this. Why we see more and more marriages ending in divorce and Christian marriages, first of all, it's not 50%. It's more like 22 to 23%, but it's because they don't look at the scriptures to find the answers to the problems. They're ignoring what the scriptures say so clearly. I mean, literally, this one issue has solved the majority of arguments in the last eight years. Understanding that I have a good-willed wife. She doesn't mean to be disrespectful. I just need to seek to understand what she's really trying to say because she's speaking through a pink megaphone and I have blue hearing aids. And those concepts alone have solved most arguments. Now, and also for me to get off my, when I'm upset, and I just say, okay, I'm sorry. Instead of just berating and going on and on and on and on, throwing a fit, sitting in the corner, pouting. Mm -hmm. So... So as far as marriages ending in divorce, if we would just take the time to study the scripture and then actually apply it to our life, then we would have um, more tools to be able to strengthen the marriage and save it rather than allow it to just go away. Well, it almost goes like to the parable of the talents. Okay, you've been given an incredible gift by God. Mm. Are you going to be like the guy who buried his in the ground? And what did he get in return? Nothing. What, What did he invest? Nothing. 
What did he get back in return? Nothing. In fact, what he had was taken away from him. That's like a divorce, a marriage that invests nothing in the marriage. They're not doing anything. Now you get the guy that was given two pounds or two piles of gold or the guy was given five, and they invested it. And they invested. They worked it over a very long period of time. And what did they do? They doubled their money. Well, that's what marriage is all about. We've got, Martha, your parents have been married for 60 years this next year. Is it this year? No, it's 59 years this year, 60 years next year. They've been investing in the marriage for almost 50 of those years in Christ. It's incredible. Over 50 of those years. And that's, and they're getting the return on that investment. And, and really us, for 30 years almost, well, we're in our 30th year. Wow. That's pretty cool. Uh, Same thing. We're getting a return on investment because we're really working on stuff. And that's what the Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat is all about. We want to help you invest in your marriage for just five days. Yeah, and just to be intentional about it and to search the scriptures and to learn how to apply it and grow closer. Because this is most of us went into marriage saying, this is my best friend. I want to grow old with this person. Well, let's do it well and let's do it in a manner that um, is God-honoring and we enjoy the process. Well, and and really the question then goes on to, okay, what's the most corrosive force in marriage? Well, it's been studied. There's been studies done about this one by John Gottman, created a study from the University of Washington. It looked at 2,000 married couples who have been married for 20 to 40 years, and they all, the thing they all had in common within conversations with each other was love and respect. Love and respect being the opposite of contempt for their spouse. They, the ones that made it 40 years, had found a way to show love and respect. And, And really, the bottom line, if you want to skip ahead to the end of the book, is a husband shows his love to his wife regardless of her respect for him. And a wife shows her respect to her husband regardless of his love for her because we are called as Christ followers to be unconditionally loving and unconditionally respectful to our spouses because how often do our spouses always deserve to be treated that way? Because really what, what you find is things that cause uh, marriages to end in divorce is that, well, he doesn't deserve my respect, so I'm just going to show him contempt. Well, if she's going to show me contempt, I'm just going to show her di- unlovingness. <laughs> unlovingness. That's good. Super duper unloving. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so really, it's this crazy cycle we're talking about. And we're, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But it's, you know, when we're angry and we respond in anger without love towards our wives, she reacts without respect because she's hurt. And when, when his wife responds without respect, he reacts because he's hurt without love. Those things just come natural. You don't even have to work at that. Right. That's Which, the way we're designed. We're, we're, well, we're designed to be hurt. We weren't designed to be sinful, but sin just comes super easy. Mm. And it comes easier at certain times of day than others. I don't know about you guys listening, but definitely comes easier after 9 o'clock at night after a long day. So, Martha, as we talk about this, I won't, before we get back to love and respect, we've got an announcement. You and I have uh, recently merged iWorkRim with a business called Trust Services, and we're in need of an accountant slash CPA slash tax person. That's correct. What are we looking for? Well, do you want me to just, I'm going to go ahead. tell everybody what we're looking for. So do you own your own small CPA and tax practice and tired of running the day-to-day business? Would you rather focus on what you love to do, which is accounting and tax? Or maybe you are a part of a large CPA and tax practice that has lost its family feel and you aren't having fun anymore. Our company, Trust Services, is hiring a CPA tax professional, and this job may be for you. Our office is in Largo and has been around for more than 10 years. Trust Services offers companies professional experts to help business owners enhance and grow their company with back office support for accounting, taxes, business coaching, graphic design, marketing, and more. We're looking for a new team member who loves people and can help us grow the tax and accounting side of Trust Services. 
while providing great quality service to our valuable existing clientele who've come to expect White Dove service. If you are that person or you know the person that we need to talk to, please have them forward a resume to me at Martha at IWorkForHim.com. That's right, Martha at IWorkForHim.com. We're looking for somebody to join our team, work alongside us, help us not only grow trust services, but I work for him. And one of the things we do is provide outstanding outsourced services to businesses that can't afford to have their own on-staff CPA, on-staff tax person, as well as marketing services, website services, all kinds of other things that we do business coaching, business mentoring, business consulting, all those kinds of things is what we do at Trust Services, and we already had done it at I Work For Him. We merged the two together to add that biblical perspective into Trust Services and add a lot of those outsourced services to I Work For Him. So for more information, just email Martha, martha at iworkforhim.com, martha at iwork, the number four, him.com. That was an unpaid advertisement. But we need the right person. We'd love to have you come work with us. Send us your resume now. All right, so I, I, going back to love and respect, did I miss anything else? I don't think so. Oh, well, we we're going to tie this into the workplace. Talk about love yeah. and respect in the workplace. You know, one of the things that we don't think about, but again, you know, you're not married to the people in your workplace, of course, unless you work with your spouse, right, baby? Yes, that's right. correct. Because we work together. But, you know, if you don't work, you're not working with your spouse, let me just make this clear. Um, men that you work with, they still desire to be respected. It's what gives them air to breathe. Women that you work with still need to be loved. It's what gives them air to be breathed. And so when you respond in an unloving fashion, it hurts them. When you respond in a disrespectful fashion, it hurts them. And it, it drives you this crazy cycle we're talking about that without love, uh, you are... Um, hey, the telephone's ringing. That's pretty awesome. Hey, without love, you... <laughs> Squirrel! Without love, you in the office, you respond disrespectfully, and without respect, you respond in an unloving fashion. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter whether you're married or not. It just damages relationships to respond in those ways. Yeah, and you, I think all of us can think of a time in our workplace where we've gotten into this vicious cycle, and you just don't understand it, where you're like saying, I don't understand why that person's acting that way or treating me that way. And really, all they're doing is they're not thinking about you, the person. They're not responding to you the way that they should be. They're just maybe trying to get an agenda done, or they're just upset, or something else is bothering them. But all of the the relating that we do at work is really important because it affects our productivity. It affects the teamwork. It affects what we produce for our customers. So all of that has to be looked at. So that's how we try to relate it into the workplace as well. well. And let's just make things clear. Whether you're the owner of the business or whether you're a leader in the business, a supervisor, manager, uh, or w- whether you don't have a, a, a re- uh, anybody that reports to you in your business, relationships within the business and are, are the only way we're ever going to be able to share our faith in that business. You have to have a solid relationship with people in order to be able to really share your faith effectively. That's how Jesus did it. Jesus developed relationships with people and then uh, called them to repent of their sin. And, and we've got to have those relationships. Well, you can't have great relationships in the workplace if you're stepping on people's air hoses all the time. If you're ladies, if you're being disrespectful to the men, you're not going to get anywhere. Men, if you're being disrespectful to the women, you're not going to get anywhere. Whether you're the boss or not, we need to be sensitive to those things. If you want to get the most out of your people, treat them with love and respect. Yeah, um, a lot of people say, you know, well, it's not fair that I'm held to a different standard, but that's what God has called us to. He has said, you know, one one of the things we talk about often is doing your job with excellence because we want to be a reflection 
of Jesus Christ. And that means that we need to hold ourselves to the standard that God has given us in the scripture so that when people do relate with us in work, they're not going, well, boy, she's really hypocritical because she's been very hurtful to me, but yet she says Jesus loves me. And that doesn't that doesn't match up. We need we are all sinners saved by grace. But being able to be that example in the in the day to day and and having a steady um, testimony for those around us is really important. So let's just draw you a picture. It's, of course, a mental picture because you're not in front of a whiteboard there. Maybe you could help me out because if you are in front of a whiteboard, you could draw this picture. But, you know, let's let, what does this crazy cycle look like? Well, let's just say that, gentlemen, uh, your wife says something to you that you take as just a straight dig. It was just a, a, a criticism. I don't know what it is. Well, give an example, honey, of something I've taken offense at that you never meant offensive. Um... Should we use the washing dishes from this sure, weekend? Sure. Okay. So I just, <laughs> well, oh. we're just going to be transparent well, right, right so here on the air. Let's just say this. I don't mind washing dishes. In fact, I'd rather wash them by hand than use a stupid dishwasher that gets 80% of them clean. Yes, and leave spots and all that good I, stuff. That so. drives me stinking nuts. So in good intentions, I made the comment because we started using one of those dryer mats that you lay on the counter and then drying you know, mats, not a dryer yeah, mat. Drying right. mats. It's not a mat you put in your dryer. You put on your countertop and That's you put right. the wet dishes on so they it's can dry. Because your dish drainer is not big enough. And I made the comment that I had learned that if I put the containers flat on there, they never really dry because the moisture stays inside of there. And you interpreted that as though I were criticizing your dishwashing abilities, which was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, and that's usually where we end up in trouble, where <laughs> there's been a complete different, um, you know, interpretation of what's being said. Well, I heard, here's another rule you've got to have. There's <laughs> rules on how to fold the towels. Now there's rules on how you wash the dishes. And I'm like, I don't want any more rules. I just want to wash the dishes. And now you're making a rule about how I stack things on the drying mat? I mean, seriously. And that went downhill from there. It did. It was a little bit of a crazy cycle there because that wasn't. I felt disrespected. You did. And I responded in a significantly unloving fashion because I thought she was creating another rule. And I really wasn't because then the next day you said, ooh, this glass doesn't smell very good. Okay, well, the drying mat just needs to be washed again. No, I don't think that's it. I think it is it. But. But it the is. point was, is that I, we, I was well-intended and it didn't come across that way because even though I said it with a smile on my face, I it had my sounded back to you, so I didn't like a criticism. All right, so, so that's a good example of the crazy cycle. So we argued about nothing for about 20 minutes <laughs> and we accomplished. It was not funny. Either. No, it was funny. Yeah, no, it's funny now. And no, again, that yeah. one happened pretty close to nine o'clock at night, didn't it? Oh, probably the yeah, end it's of just, the day. I become stupid clean. after nine. <laughs> not all days. If I've had a late day Mountain Dew, I'm okay. But you know, if I haven't, I get tired because we I wake up at six o'clock and do my quiet time. And but th- the but the key to that crazy cycle though is then being able to say I did not mean that. I did not. My intention was not to disrespect you by telling you that. Right. And Martha does that. And then I say, well, and I always want to explain then why I responded the way I did. And then that just keeps it going. And then sometimes Martha just needs to restate things. She needs to talk about them more. And I just need to walk away for a moment without it. And we we don't we don't allow ourselves to leave in anger. 
But sometimes space for 30 seconds is what I need just to come back down. Martha. And you know what's really interesting is in the Love and Respect book, Emerson says, men hear criticism as contempt and women feel silence as hostility. So we've had to learn in our marriage that when you just need to be quiet because you want to just kind of process, that I've had to learn that that doesn't mean that you feel hostile. Um, you, cause this is, I'm trying it, not to be hostile, right? But a woman, and I'm not the only woman who feels this way is that silence, you know, is building something and that, you know, that there's hostility building and that's not the case. So again, we've had to have conversation about it, but able, and it doesn't make it easy. No, but in eight years we've made some progress, but being aware, learning that this is a part of our DNA and how we're made so that when you say, I just need to be quiet. I just need to not talk about it for a few minutes. Don't keep asking the questions, Martha. That so just, just give me a break to breathe for a second because yeah. I, I just need to step back for a second because I used to have a significant anger issue, anger problems. God's been healing me of that for years. But if she keeps pushing, I don't get a chance to let the anger siphon down or, or sm- the smoldering down, whatever. Just get. I need to throw water on it. All right, so here's something right out of the book. Uh, page 39 of Love and Respect, which, by the way, we haven't given away a copy yet, have we, Ace? All right, so if you want to get a copy of Love and Respect, we're telling you, if you want your marriage to be amazing, you need to get this book, and then you need to read it. In fact, read it together with other couples, but read it together with your spouse. Call into the studio line, 877-943-9673, 877-943-9673. Page 39 of Love and Respect, Emerson says this, Often both spouses have goodwill but are not deciphering each other's code. She criticizes out of love, but he hears only disrespect. He distances himself to prevent things from escalating, which is the honorable thing to do, but she sees only his failure to be loving. Think about that. That's a little confusing. Whenever a wife is complaining, criticizing, or crying, she is sending her coded message, I want your love! And whenever a husband is speaking harshly or sometimes not speaking at all, he's sending his encoded message, I want your respect. Mm. So we can't... Yeah, yeah, we tip, we respond to both of those things. The opposite. Mm-hmm. When 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 you are complaining, criticizing, or crying, I'm feeling disrespect. But you're saying you want love. Mm-hmm. And when you're speaking, when I'm speaking harshly, I, I want respect. Yeah, that doesn't work. It's like we're stupid. <laughs> well, I think that that's one of the biggest things that we've learned after reading this book is that I cannot know. What's inside your head? No, that's an absolute guarantee. I cannot go down the same trail that you're going down in how you're interpreting a situation. And you can't do that for me either. And so when we speak with other couples who are struggling with this crazy cycle, we say you can't assume that you know. The only way you can know what your spouse is thinking is to ask them the question. That's right. (laughs) What are you thinking? We have determined through extensive psychological, (laughs) mental, and calculatable research there are no such thing as mind readers because if there were, they'd win the lottery every week. That was loud. Sorry. <laughs> You're All right, excited. So, there's, so here's the deal. If you want, hey, Mike from Ruskin, thanks for calling in and winning the book. We'll get that out to you sometime this week. But thanks for listening and thanks for calling in. Mm-hmm. But if you want to know what your spouse is thinking, just what Martha, Martha said, you want to know what they're thinking? Ask them. Don't be stupid or stubborn and think you know because you don't. Just last night, we've been married almost 30 years, and I said, here's what I think you're thinking, and I and I said it, and you go, nope, not even close. I'm like, okay, I give up. All right, <laughs> but it's not like we're supposed to try to figure it out. Just ask. God gave us lips. He gave us two ears and one set of lips, so ask the question and then listen. Great discussion today, baby. 
It was fun. It was fun. I hope you learned a lot today about love and respect. Find out more about him online at loveandrespect.com. Hey, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show on Tampa Bay's Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN, I just want to thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being part of it. I really hope that we're challenging you. We really hope we're stretching you a little bit and that you're learning some more things about relationships on these Together on Tuesdays. Not only your relationships at home, but also your relationships in the workplace. Thanks to our show sponsors, Most Insurance, found online at mostins.com. Bel Air Wealth Management, found online at belairwealthmanagement.com. And Crown College and their online learning program at crown.edu forward slash radio. Hey, when you get home today, would you consider going out to iworkforhim.com and clicking on the I Work For Him Nation? Join the I Work For Him Nation and commit to praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Because if we're going to take this city, it's going to start by praying for each and every one we work with. You know, we learned today that our faith can impact our workplace just through relationships. In fact, that's the way we're going to make the biggest impact in our workplaces is by having solid relationships with people. We have an opportunity to show people who Jesus really is, and we do that by loving them right where they're at. But today we talk about loving and respecting because a woman's primary need in the time of tension is to be loved. And a man's primary need in the time of tension is to be respected. And those two emotions, those two acts are huge. And we really need to take time to look at the relationships we have. Are we damaging them or building them up in the workplace? And as we're praying for people each and every day in the workplace, as part of being part of the I Work For Him Nation, this is huge. Ask people. Hey, how can I pray for you? How can it make a difference? And maybe it'll give you an opportunity to find out if maybe you've offended them in the past. But it's a great opportunity to get started. Start today by praying for him. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.